Um, but how many of you know when you put God first, everything else comes into alignment? How many of you know the Bible says, build your business first and then God will bless it? Nope. It's, no, how, many, how many of you know, say, sleep a little longer and you'll have more energy and then put God second and your life. No, no what, what does it actually say? Seek first the kingdom. It says, seek the kingdom first. It said, Jesus, how many of you agree that he's the greatest leader of all time? It said that Jesus woke up early and he got away and he sought God and then he arose from that place and did something with his life that caused time to even be measured by his birth. And so how many of you believe that we've got to put him first? How many of you Long Islanders believe that the best way to spend your week is to start it in church? We got to fight for your right. <laughs> I'm just trying to see who used to go here when it was revolution. But I dare you to put God first, to put a pause. So what if church is two hours? What if it's two hours of you hearing the truth, surrounded by people who have faith in an environment where you can grow? Who cares? Some of you need to spend two hours in the gym like I do. I mean, sometimes the longer you spend in a place, the better results you get, right? Come on, the longer you're in the mall, the, wor the worse off your bank account is. <laughs> Let's, let's come to the house of God. Let's compel our friends to come. And I say that because I was joking. Uh, we used to have three campuses here. Now we only have one. We're trying to reopen Queens. And it, I was saying, you know, our church, it will, like many of us, I gained some weight during the pandemic. The fastest way to lose weight is to put a suit on. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? It, suits are makeup for men. <laughs> and beards. You hide as much of your face and as much as your body, you might be attractive. It worked for me. Fake my wife out. But just like many of us in our physical body, I believe our church gained some weight during the pandemic and we became a little lethargic. And I'm so thankful that you give. I'm so thankful that you watch online, but man, there's something about being in the room. There's something about hearing the praises. Not, we'll put more seats out. We'll debut more services. The worship team said, Pastor Mike, you just feed us some pizza. We're like the Ninja Turtles. We'll go conquer all of New York City. That's what they told me. Bree said that. She just said, I'll go conquer Queens with you. And, you know, Aaron said that. Steph Haas said it. They all were like, Pastor Mike, we're with you. And matter of fact, I almost cried because Steph Haas was like, Pastor Mike, you just tell us what the Lord's telling you to do and we'll do it. This whole story of V1's been crazy. We've never cared what the plan was. We know God's here. And you have churches with a plan, but God's not there. <laughs> but how many of you know when God's there, there's always a plan. It's just his plan. So I want you to really get the house full, invite your friends, and force us to do more services. Um, I, we're gonna be doing part one right now of Toxic People. This is week one, and this sermon is entitled The Emotional Leech. If you're sitting next to one, just elbow them right now. Just don't say nothing. Just give them a little nudge. Make them think, was that a nudge or a flinch? Or <laughs> the Emotional Leech. The emotional leech. These are people who are always sad, always negative, and always pessimistic. Have you ever met an emotional leech? I mean, these are people where, well, if you're a Winnie the Pooh fan, they're Eeyore. 
And you'll say, wasn't that amazing? When all these people were on the altar crying out before God, and they'll say, service went a little longer than I wish it would have. Those people could have got saved in 20 minutes. It didn't have to take two hours. <laughs> Man, Pastor Mike's sermon really helped me. It broke some stuff off of me. That guy sure is excited about God. I don't, I think he actually believes it, but I don't. You know, the people that they always have a response, it's always negative. You, you know what I mean? And these are emotional leeches. They will find their way to drain the faith right out of you. They'll find their way. God's doing some amazing things in my life. Well, whenever you're ready to go back to the club, I'll be there with you. You said you were going to change last time. You know what I'm talking about? Emotional leeches. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, as I was saying that, some of you are like, everyone's laughing, but I'm realizing it's me. <laughs> One of those people. It's like nothing is ever good enough. The emotional leech. And here's the thing I want to tell you. If you've got a lot of issues, it's you. If you've got a lot of problems, you is the problem. Because if you've gone through your entire adult life and never had simply a good day, maybe you're the one ruining the good day. Can I just tell you, there are people where nothing is ever enough. They go to Disney. It's supposed to be the happiest place on life. in life. It's crowded here. <laughs> You know, you got kids. I waited my whole life to be here. This is amazing. Why is the beer so expensive? Should have brought my own. <laughs> Do you know people like that? I mean, it's just, it's like, please try. Here, here's, here's an exercise for them. Why don't you try it? Try it. This is a whole different set of muscles than this. Yeah, I know the coffee was free, but it was disgusting. <laughs> you got people. When we first launched this church, someone left this church over the coffee. I said, praise God, I got a whole list of churches to send you to where you can have your wound licking club with them. Because, oh, look at that. You know, the, the, the deeper you tuck your chin, the more devious the smile becomes, right? This right here is like, oh, that's funny. This right here, like, did you hear me? I mean, there are churches that have wound-licking clubs where it's like, let's get together and let's lick each other's wounds. Let's talk about the pastor. Let's talk about the worship team. Let's talk about our friends. And here's the secret I want to give you. If they're talking about everybody else, they're talking about you. I mean, we've got connect groups here where we build real relationships, but we don't have wound-licking clubs. I mean, we have clubs where we're not trying to call you out. We're trying to call you up. Come on. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. I mean, a good friend will hurt you with the right information. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Pastor Mike, I know you're Italian, but you've got a noodle stuck between your teeth. 
You've got some oregano in there. I love you enough to tell you. Pastor Mike, I know you don't have any hair, but it looks like there's some dandruff on your shirt. <laughs> See, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I don't want to be around somebody that will let me be crusty and musty, but not tell me about it. Love me enough to help me from being me. Look, everybody's clapping. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Somebody told him. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I mean, really, are you a friend? The Bible says to be a friend of sinners, not sin with sinners. And you got too many Christians that think they're being a friend, but it's just like, no, you're not being a friend to them until you wound them with the truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you've got Christians that are not friends of sinners. They're sinners with sinners. The only difference is they just get saved every Sunday on an interval, a seven-day interval. Nobody laughed at that. <laughs> but let me just step back because as we're calling everybody out, let's be real, we're all toxic. We all have issues. Some of us have subscriptions to issues. Our issues, our friends' issues, our mama's issues, our coworkers' issues. We got a lot of subscriptions to issues. It's us and it's other people. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have deep sadness. And I want to say that because this is not a rainbow puking unicorn, everything is awesome. <laughs> That's, all, that's also not the kind of church that we have because that's not the kind of Bible that we have. And, and here's the thing you need to understand is that Jeremiah was another major prophet chosen by God to proclaim truth to others and even warn them. But he had a lifelong battle with sadness. He actually wrote an entire book of the Bible entitled Lamentations. Many of you don't even know that that's a book of a Bible because it's not popular to preach it, but we also have a God that gives us permission to lament. And sometimes through your, your lamenting, there's a connection with God. But see, even the cross goes both directions. The cross of Jesus Christ goes up and down. He's saying, Father, to you I commit my spirit. But then when you go this way, you say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, here's the thing. The prophet Jeremiah took the depths of his sorrow and he began to bring them before the Lord and it became scripture. You take the depths of your sadness this way and it becomes a Facebook post that damages more relationships than it heals. Oh, I'm preaching good today. Jeremiah, through the depths of his sadness, wrote in Lamentations chapter 2, verse 10, he says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. And I'm going to add this for emphasis. I am the first emo to walk planet Earth. I mean, he literally said in the book of Lamentations, I have cried until I have no more tears. Is there anybody here who's ever cried like that where nothing comes out anymore? And you're just like, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm so perplexed. I'm so tired. I'm so confused. And you just, you run out of tears. I mean, that's how real the Bible is. Jeremiah writes in the Bible that he's cried so much that nothing is even coming out. And then you have Haman, son of Korah. You probably don't know who this person is, but Haman, the son of Korah, this is, it, it's probably a guy you haven't heard of, but he actually wrote one of the Psalms. He wrote Psalm chapter 88. Now, you need to understand that Psalm chapter 88 is one of the darkest Psalms that we have in the Bible. But the book of Psalms would have been like the ancient church's Spotify playlist. 
And so, you know, you have your Maverick City and your Elevation and your Hillsong and your Andy Squire, who's going to be here in a couple weeks teaching our team how to write worship songs. Yeah, come on. And you have your Spotify playlist, but the book of Psalms would have been like the ancient church's Spotify playlist. So I, I want you to imagine God's chosen people coming into a worship experience and actually reading Haman's Psalm 88 and singing it aloud to God. Are you ready for this? Psalm chapter 88, verse five through seven. I am forgotten. <laughs> I am cut off from your care. Can you imagine bringing your friends to church and we're singing this, Psalm chapter 88. This is our worship song together. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, God, into the depths of my despair. Your anger weighs me down. <laughs> With wave after wave, you've engulfed me. And then somebody comes and says, all right, everybody, let us pray. <laughs> Can you imagine your friend being like, what in the world what kind of church is this? But there was a place in scripture to understand that life is sometimes going to be that hard. That all you have to offer God is your feelings of insignificance and pain. But as long as you take it to him, it turns into worship. But when you take it to other people, it turns into complaining. Oh, so it's not that we have a God that doesn't allow us to be human. It's that we take our humanity to his divinity and, be, and it becomes worship. And so it's all about where you take it. It's okay to be sad, but sadness is a feeling, not an identity. Oh, I need to say this to the world. I hope you're sharing this online. It, it's that our sadness becomes our identity when it should have remained as a feeling. See, feelings come and go, but identity is forever. So if you make sadness your identity, you'll be sad forever. But if you allow it to become a feeling, sadness can come and go wave after wave. But there's something bigger that defines who you are. Is this helping somebody? Is this helping somebody? Is somebody taking notes? Titus chapter 3 verse 10 says, though, there's toxic people. And these people have made their feeling their identity. And these people don't want to change. And it actually says something. I love the Bible so much because the Bible is so much more raw than you could ever imagine. I mean, the Bible, it, it, I'm telling you, there's something about the richness of Titus chapter 3, verse 10 that's going to shock you. Can I shock you with this scripture? As for a person who stirs up division after warning him or her once and then twice, have nothing more to do with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Am, uh, am I the only one? Can, can I read that again? Because everyone thinks Christians are supposed to be, oh, we love you, sister. Oh, come here, sister. We love you. Sister. Oh, we love so-and-so. Don't exclude them from the group. We got to keep everyone in the group. Yeah, we don't have cliques here, but we have a righteous standard here. <laughs> and if you're going to intentionally sow division and you want to stay toxic, the Bible gives me permission to send you to another church <laughs> until they figure out you don't want to change. <laughs> See, I think oftentimes... If you're codependent, or let me put it like this. If you have the gift of mercy, the gift of mercy is when you say, I'm here to help you. I'm going to help you change. You know what? I have two daughters. I watch them play with their Barbies. And I think that's where many women get the gift of mercy because they look at Ken and they say, I don't really like his outfit, but I can change it. I don't really like his hair, but I can cut it. Okay, come on. I'm a girl dad now. Don't be freaked out. 
And what happens is they're like, I don't like the position Ken's in. I can bend his knees and I can make him do whatever I want. And then the problem is they try to treat their husband like they treated their Ken doll. And then they realize that their Ken doll, the husband edition is battery operated with his own will. And, he can't, and they can't control them. And no matter what they do to make them better, they're not becoming better. And so what happens is people with the gift of mercy will marry a project. <laughs> oh, y'all aren't hearing me. I know I'm speaking home. They'll marry a project. And they'll say, well, I did this before. I used to make my own little world and set it up how I liked it. And then I would tear it down and build it again like I like it. And the problem is you can't do that in real life. You can't marry a project and expect that you have the power to change them because that's only Jesus' job. And so what Titus chapter three, verse 10 is saying is that if a person in the church is stirring up division and they don't want to change, it's okay to hit the block button of eternity and say, God, I'm turning them over to you to fight the battle that I didn't win. See the block button of Titus chapter three, verse 10 will make this a healthier church. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Now, why would it have to say that? Because we are so good at lying to ourselves. See, the worst lie is not the one someone else told you. It's the one you told yourself. See, because the lie that someone else told you is obvious, but the one that you're telling yourself, you'll need the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation to get free. And so it has to say, don't be deceived because you're going to try to lie to yourself. That bad company does not ruin good morals. Bad company on our worship team will ruin our worship team. Uh, come on now. Come on now. It just takes one because the mold on that apple, it, when it gets in the proximity of other apples, will transfer and multiply and mold multiplies, which means sometimes separation is the only way to preserve good fruit. So don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Should I date a non-Christian? <laughs> but he has a good job. Well, Satan's got a lot of money and possessions and he tried to offer them to Jesus and Jesus didn't take it. Why would you? Oh, but, but you don't, you don't understand. Um, he really cares about my feelings. Yes. Long enough to sleep with you. It's a tactic. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And you know that whole analogy works with the other genders. I'm not picking on men or women. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Is that all right? <laughs> Numbers chapter 14, verse 37, talked about toxic leeches. And it said, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. There is just something about God who said, God, the old covenant and the new covenant said, you will have what you say. If you say that we cannot enter the promised land, you will not. If you say that we can, you will. You will eat your words. You will have what you say. Jesus shows up on the scene and says, ask and you will. Okay, so are you asking for trouble? <laughs> I mean, he says, knock and the door will be open to you. So, I mean, what doors are you knocking on? A door of trouble, anxiety, fear, a door of drama, or are you opening on the door of righteousness or knocking on the door of righteousness saying, God, I know nobody's preaching about holiness, but I want to go up. Open that door. I'm seeking you. See, here's the thing. We've got these 
emotional leeches, also known as spiritual vampires. <laughs> because they tend to suck the faith out of you and they bleed you emotionally dry. I mean, let me just give you a hint how you know you're around an emotional leech. Do you leave their presence energized or in need of being plugged back into the power? I mean, an emotional leech. See, here's the thing. There's some people that when I get around, they compel me to do more. I mean, when I get in their presence, I leave and I'm like, man, it's midnight, but I, I can't even go to, I'm, I'm vibrating now with energy from the Holy Spirit. There's people I get around like, man, faith-filled people, joyous people, people who understand that their attitude means so much more to God than their aptitude. <laughs> because the right aptitude with the wrong attitude, you still won't make it into your destiny. Because here's the thing about aptitude versus attitude. See, the thing is, when your attitude's right, God in a moment could release revelation and knowledge to you to do great things. He did it with Peter and the disciples. But see, with the wrong attitude, even with the right aptitude, you'll end up a Christian killer like Paul, and you'll need an intervention from the Holy Spirit. And so there's times where God will deal with our attitude. And these people, they always have something sad, always have something negative. They always have something pessimistic to say. And see, I'm discipling you through this message right now. But unfortunately, many of you have been discipled demonically by pastors who are pessimistic. You were discipled to believe that New York couldn't be saved. You've been discipled into legalism to think that God cared about the way you were dressed when you came before him. You've been discipled into all these things where, to, according to your pastor, the world was mainly wrong and everything was wrong and the church was wrong. And you were discipled into their anxieties and their fears. And so sometimes when you're raised in a household by a parent that discipled you into fear, they discipled you into criticism. And you know, you drove to school every morning with your mother and your mother looked out the windows and she told you what was wrong with everybody that you passed by. And then you're taught by the Lord to go love those people, but you've been discipled to hate them your entire life. I, I just think that this is a very, 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 very important message. Here's the problem. Can I diagnose the problem with the leech? The problem is they sabotage their life making their negative words a self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's the thing. If you say it's not going to work out and then you do everything in your power to not make it work out, was it true or did you make it true? Oh yeah, this church, it ain't going to work out. V1's not going to work out. Why? Because you've went to a connect group and made deep relationship with people and offered yourself. You signed up for a team. You served. You grew your gift. Or because you stood on the sidelines and said it wouldn't work out and sabotaged your possibility. I see it happen all the time. Oh, this business isn't going to work out. Why? Because there's always going to be someone else who believed it could and didn't sabotage it and prove you wrong. Matter of fact, people say, oh, a church where you broadcast will not work. Well, yeah, if you believe it won't, it won't. But I'll get together thousands who believe it will and it will. And this is what we live in. We live in that realm. The problem is that people, they make their identity around being negative. So to say something faith-filled would contradict who they are. It's just like if you for years and years wore skinny jeans and your wife says, it's not in anymore. You have to wear straight leg jeans. Every time you put those pants on, you'll feel like you got too much fabric. It's just like when women, I've got a whole house full of women right now. It's like when they spend $300 to get their hair done. And two hours later, they look in the mirror and they go, what have I done? <laughs> 
I can't tell you how many times Julie spent $300 on her hair and I walk in and she's crying a little bit. And I'm like, what's wrong, babe? She's like, I don't even know who this person is. What did I do? It looks so good on social media. It looks so good on their head. <laughs> you all the women know what I'm talking about now. They know what I'm talking about. And so what happens is because you become so comfortable in who you think you are that your haircut contradicts that person. And it puts a crisis. Some of you are so used to being in the doldrums. You're so used to being depressed that to stand up straight, you'd feel like, man, this posture is weird to my back. To say something like, God can do it. This is gonna be a great year. He's gonna meet all my, riches, all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's gonna open up a door. Literally to say that, you'd be like, yeah, I'm being fake. No, what if that's actually the realest version of you, but you've accepted the false one? Don't be deceived. Am I right? And so, and why do I say this? What gives me permission? I'm the chiefest among you. I'm the president of the toxic people. And I remember when God changed me and I had to start talking different and looking different. Here's the problem. You sabotage with your words and they become true. You feel like you're contradicting a false identity when God wants to give you the true one. So here's the solution. If you're the leech, allow the Holy Spirit to be your comforter and your source of hope. Allow him to make all things new, including you. Including you. A new identity, a new purpose, a new vision. And here's the last solution. If you're not the toxic person, but you're surrounded by toxic people, if you're drained by the leech, you can remove it. I want to tell you, I looked this up because out of curiosity, I said, well, we've got a lot of rats in New York City, but not a lot of leeches. I guess it's like pick your poison, right? Um, and so I was like, if you were, if you had the unfortunate discovery of a leech, how would you actually remove it? So here I am. Can you imagine my Google search history week by week just serving this church? How to remove a leech. So I wanted to know. So I popped in my Encarta CD-ROM and uh, no. <laughs> All the older folks know what I'm talking about. And if you're older than that, it was an uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. And nobody I know ever bought one. You just received one from someone else who was dumb enough to buy one. And I looked up <laughs> how to remove a leech. And it was crazy to actually read it because the first step is this. Grab the tail and pull on it. Pull till it's taut. So imagine a green slimy leech with its head actually into, burrowed into your skin and it's receiving your blood, it's sucking the blood out of you. The first step would be to grab the tail and pull it taut. Let me just say this, what if it's time for you to start pulling on them instead of allowing them to pull on you? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I love this because this is science, it says find the head, okay? The head is smaller than the body, that'll preach right? Because some people are living a life better than they should because they're sucking off of yours. And so their body's bigger than their head because their thought life's not right, but they're accepting everything off of your hard work, your diligence. Oh, I wish you heard me today. And sometimes you got to find the head because sometimes I've seen cancer patients with a better attitude than somebody in perfect health because their head's not right. Their head's not right, and they can't be happy. They don't, I'm, oh man, don't make me go there. So it says, find the head, and then I love this. It says, take your fingernail and put it underneath the mouth of the leech. 
Why? Because you've got to go to the source. If something's wrong in the head, it's wrong out the mouth. And find the mouth. There are people, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue, the boca, in the mouth. And so it says, find the mouth. Here's the thing. Some of you've got to go to the source. These blood suckers are just talking and you've got to go to the source. Something's wrong with their head and certainly something's wrong with their mouth. You put your finger there and it says, and all of a sudden you pop out their head and, and you're pulling it taut. And then this is my favorite part. I, I, I affirm this is what the scientific direction said because it was hilarious to me. And it said, and then you flick the leech off. <laughs> Don't you love science? You flick the leech off. Here's the thing. You think you're helping the leech, but you're actually preventing them from getting to their future faster by being what they should go to God for. Oh, I know this is speaking. I know this is speaking. Toxic people are emotional leeches, and they pride themselves in just being real, but they're just being real negative. They pride themselves Job chapter four, verse eight says, as I have observed those who plow evil and those who sow trouble, they reap it. Job is the oldest book of the Bible chronologically. There's a tremendous wisdom that we get from Job. Ancient wisdom that says, wait a second, as I have observed those who plow evil and those who sow seeds of trouble, they always reap trouble. You will have what you say. I want to show you a deep character study, and the man's name is Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 gives us a picture into the privilege of a man named Jonah. As a matter of fact, as a pastor, the number one question I get is, Pastor Mike, help me discover my purpose. This spoiled brat named Jonah never had to figure it out because sovereign God Almighty literally descended down. I want to read you this verse. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What a privilege! Can you imagine? You're in the midst of your confusion. God, what have you called me to do? Arise. Oh, can you imagine the privilege of God's sovereign telling you what you should do with your life? Wouldn't you think that would be enough for you to say, hey, you call your boss, I gotta quit. God just gave me an assignment. You call your boss up, hey, God just gave me something to do. I heard him from heaven. I gotta, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you be kind of scared not to do it? Because you'd be like, I literally heard God's voice. I don't think I got a choice. Jonah goes the opposite direction. But we are all Jonah. And we are evil in that we seek a sign, yet he's already been faithful to give us more information than we ever needed. It's obedience that's better than sacrifice. And so like Jonah, we run the other way. We've got our own prejudices. We have our own path picked out. And we often think that if we can walk that path, it's the fastest route. But the Bible says man makes his plans, but the end of them is always destruction. And so Jonah begins to run the other way. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And when he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down in it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of God. Stop running from God. 
Stop running from his call. Stop running from who you know he wants you to be. Cast off the toxic clothing of the emotion and the depression. Emotion is a feeling, not an identity to a true believer. You'll have seasons of lamenting, but let it be a season, not a cycle. He began to run away. And then that scripture in Titus is enacted because they're on the ship and they say, somebody's out of the will of God. Somebody's creating division among us. And then they do the thing that Titus tells us to do in the new covenant, kick them out. The best thing that ever happened to Jonah was he was removed from the community of the ship. See, sometimes the best thing you can do to your 37-year-old baby is move them out of your basement because it's the fastest route for them getting a real job and becoming a man. Sometimes the best thing you can do for your husband is put up a standard and say, I'm not gonna live like this anymore. What changed me in my marriage was not another conversation with my wife. It's when she left me. Can I be real with you? It's when the boat went sailing to its destination and I got thrown into to the sea where I could fulfill my destiny. Sometimes the way that you help other people fulfill their destiny is to remove them from your circles because God will change your circles to change your levels. Come on. In Jonah chapter three, verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did, what did they do, Pastor Mike? They responded to Jonah's sermon after the belly of the whale spewed him, regurgitated him to this island. He shows up and he preaches one sermon. I've been toiling in this soil of Long Island for a long time and I got still people who haven't responded. But can you imagine if I preached one sermon and all of Long Island, all of Queens and Brooklyn, this entire island, there was no more atheist, no more agnostic. Can you imagine there's no more Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, there's no more Muslim. Can you imagine if I preach one time on this island and every person you will ever meet begin to bow their knee before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Can you imagine that no church that we have and all of the churches together could not contain the number of the people of a revival that happens on this island. I mean, can you even think about that? That's what happened when Jonah preached one sermon. But guess what? His heart wasn't, wow, look at all the lives that were changed. You know what his heart was? Hey, I'm white and they're black. I don't like their race. I don't like them. Hey, those people are not like me. You see, because there was some prejudice in Jonah's heart. There were things that Jonah, he thought it was supposed to go a certain way. He thought it was supposed to look a certain way. And because the revival that God was bringing looked differently than what was in his mind's eye, he cursed it. How many Jonas am I talking to right now? How many Jonas that life has gone differently? Church is different than what you thought and you're cursing a move of God because it didn't happen the way that you thought it should happen. When God saw what these people did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And then in chapter four, Jonah says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, didn't I tell you it was gonna happen like this? Didn't I tell you that these people were gonna respond this way? And then he said, oh Lord, please take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live. What if I'm here to tell you on assignment today 
that life may not have turned out the way you wanted, but if God met your expectations, he could never exceed them. If God met your expectations, he could never exceed them. If it worked out the way you wanted it, it would not have been as good as what he wanted for you. Sometimes he's got to destroy your plans to make room for his. Sometimes he's got to divert you from a path. What if I told you he's still in control? And if you will jump in and click in now, you will see the fulfillment of it in your life. What if I told you that if he met your expectations, he could never exceed them, but he wants to do more than you can think, ask, or imagine. He wants to exceed what's possible for your kids, what's possible for your anointing, what's possible for your gifting. He wants to do more. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what he's prepared for us. Do I have three people who believe it? Do I have three people who will jump to their feet and say, God, if you're going to do it, do it with me. Do I have one more person who will say, God, let it happen with me. I'm willing to let you break my expectations to meet and exceed the expectation you have. I wish somebody heard me preaching to them today. When you are an emotional leech, you will turn a revival into your own personal pity party. You'll be mad because you're going to a church so long that you should be a host, not a guest anymore. But you act like a guest when you should be acting like a host. Oh, I know that was a word for somebody. You go to a church long enough where you should be the host, not the guest anymore. But you're mad that you're not treated like a guest when God called you to be a host. You'll be in a marriage and you said your vows to them, but you expect them to serve you, but you don't serve them. See, God wants you to stop and break the spirit of the leech off of you. And if you're a spiritual leech, you'll be more upset that it happened differently than you wanted, than happy that it actually happened. I want us to be the kind of people who say, God, I'm ready to get free. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to jump in, you know? The Bible says to enter the kingdom, you must enter like what? A child. There's a happiness. There's a contentment. There's an excitement. There's something about kids. You go next door and before we debut new equipment, before we make our kids' environments, they're okay. They're content. They're having a great time. There's something about you that God wants to turn back the clock. He wants to bring you back to a place where you can be happy, a place where you can be content, and a place where you can say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my future. I trust you that your plans will be fulfilled. Is there anybody here who's ready to fall into the arms of grace? Is there anybody here who's willing to cut toxic people off of your life? Is there anybody here who will look at the contact list of their phone and say, my ears are not garbage cans. I want people in my life who will invest in me. I want people in my life, come on. Now this last revelation is one of the most significant. David, the giant killer. David, the giant killer. Before he killed the giant, had to remove toxic people from his life. 
Saul was toxic. Saul didn't even think that it was possible to kill Goliath. He said, just go in with my armor. And David had to say, I don't prove your armor. I don't need your armor. I've got faith that God is going to cause me to be successful. And he had to remove Saul out of his life. As a matter of fact, when the prophet Samuel showed up to anoint David for his next season to be a king, David was found alone alone. Who's getting a revelation right now? What if I told you the reason why the anointing hasn't come for the next season of your destiny is because you have not gotten alone yet. But when you get alone, oh, somebody, when you get alone, when you get alone, David was alone. David was not alone because he was a loner. He was alone because he said, I'd rather have the spirit of the living God alone than have my friends around me, but have no joy, have no peace, have no, oh, come on, somebody. David was alone, and the Lord says, if you'd be willing to be alone, if you'd be willing to separate yourself, I'll pour the oil and designate you for your next assignment. Jesus Christ shows up. This is God in flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The entire Bible written and inspired by Jesus. It is Jesus. And Jesus is in a room to resurrect a little girl. And he's looking, he's doing an assessment in the room. He's looking at their faces, he's discerning. And what he's discerning is this room's got some toxic people that don't believe in the resurrection power that I've come here with. And so Jesus himself removes toxic people from the room. He says, leave. And when they leave, resurrection happens. What if there's some things in your life that you've been waiting for God to resurrect, but there's some people that have to leave the room before the resurrection happens. There's some people, oh, that you've got to be willing to say, there's the door. You take the door so that God can come into the door. There's, we got to make room for God by removing some people sometimes. And I'll just tell you like this, a Wi-Fi router can only connect so many devices. When too many devices connect to a Wi-Fi router, nobody gets a proper download. What if you've got too many devices connected to your mind, connected to your spirit? What if it's time for you to remove people to increase the bandwidth? Can I just tell you this is a revelation for somebody. When you were a kid and you had Legos, the way that Legos work is on the other side of the Lego, on the bottom side, it only has so many connection points. And if you're going to build something great, you have to dis connect some mediocre people from off of you to make room, make room, make room. Who am I talking to today? Who am I preaching this message for right now? Who's got a word from God stirring on the inside of them? Lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, let's close this thing out. I want everybody boldly to say, God, remove all toxicity. Change me. Mold me. Break me. Have your way. I receive my true identity. I am not toxic. I am healed. I am delivered. I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's lift up a 30-second worship. 30 seconds. Come on, let's celebrate.